0: Section 4 of The Natural History, Volume 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Keith G. Saturn. The Natural History, Volume 7 by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 4, Book 31. Chapters 43 to 47. Chapter 43 Garum Fifteen Remedies. Another liquid, too, of a very exquisite nature, is that known as garum. It is prepared from the intestines of fish and various parts which would otherwise be thrown away. Macerated in salt, so that it is, in fact, the result of their putrefaction, garum. Was formerly prepared from a fish called garros by the Greeks, who assert also that a fumigation made with its head has the effect of bringing away the afterbirth. At present day, however, the most esteemed kind of garum is prepared from the scomber. In the fisheries of Carthago, Spartaria, it is known as garum of the Allies, and for a couple of congi we have to pay little less than 1,000 sesterces. Indeed, there is no liquid hardly, with the exception of the unguents, has sold at higher prices of late, so much so that the nations which produce it have become quite ennobled thereby. There are fisheries, too, of the Scomber, on the coasts of Morantania and at Cartia in Bitica near the straits which lie at the entrance of the ocean, this being the only use that is made of the fish. For the production of garum, clazomenae is also famed in Pompeii, too, and Leptis, while for their Myria and Thurii of late, Dinatea, enjoy the highest reputation. Chapter 44. Alex. Eight Remedies. Alex, which is a refuse of garum, properly consists of the drugs of it, when imperfectly strained. But, of late, they have begun to prepare it separately from a small fish that is otherwise good for nothing. The Apua of the Latins, or afua of the Greeks, so-called from the fact of its being endangered from rain. The people of Forum Julii make their garum from a fish to which they give the name of lupus. In the process of time, Alex has become quite an object of luxury, and the various kinds that are now made are infinite in number. The same, too, with garum, which is now prepared in imitation of the color of honeyed wine, and so pleasantly flavored as to admit of being taken as a drink. Another kind, again, is dedicated to those superstitious observances which enjoin strict chastity, and that prepared from fish without scales to the sacred rites of the Jews. In the same way, Alex has come to be manufactured from oysters, sea urchins, sea nettles, camerari, and the liver of sir mullet, and a thousand different methods have been devised of late for ensuring the putrefaction of salt in such a way as to secure the flavors most relished by the palate. Thus much, by the way, with reference to the tastes of the present day, though at the same time it must be remembered these substances are by no means without their uses in medicine. Alex, for instance, is a curative of scab in sheep, incisions being made in the skin and the liquor poured therein. It is useful, also, for the cure of wounds inflicted by dogs or by the sea dragon, the application being made with lint. Recent burns, too, are healed by the agency of garum, due care being taken to apply it without mentioning it by name. It is useful, too, for bites inflicted by dogs, and for that of the crocodile in particular, as also for the treatment of serpigneous or sordid ulcers, for ulcerations and painful afflictions to the mouth and ears. It is a marvelously useful remedy. Muria also, as well as the salsuga, which we have mentioned, has certain astringent, mordant, and discussive properties. It is highly useful for the cure of dysentery, even when ulceration has attacked the intestines. Injections are also made of it for sciatica and for celiac fluxus of an invertate nature. In spots which lie at a distance in the interior, it is used as a fomentation by way of substitute for seawater. Chapter 45. The Nature of Salt. Salt, regarded by itself, is naturally igneous, and yet it manifests an antipathy to fire and flies from it. It consumes everything, and yet, upon living bodies, it has an astringent, desiccative, and binding effect, while the dead it preserves from putrefaction and makes them last for ages even. In respect, however, of its medicinal properties, it is of a mordant, burning, detergent, attenuating, and resolvent nature. It is, however, injurious to the stomach, except that it acts as a stimulant to the appetite. For the cure of injuries inflicted by serpents, it is used with origanum, honey, and hyssop, and for the sting of the Cerastes, with origanum, cedar resin, pitch, or honey. Taken internally with vinegar, it is good for injuries caused by scolopendra and applied topically with an equal proportion of linseed in oil or vinegar for stings inflicted by scorpions. For stings of hornets, wasps, and insects of similar description, it is applied with vinegar. And for the cure of hermocrania, ulcers of the head, blisters, pimples, and incipient warts with veal suet. It is used also among the remedies for the eyes, and for the removal of fleshy excrescences upon those organs, as also of hang nails upon the fingers or toes. For webs that form upon the eyes, it is particularly useful, and hence it is that it is so commonly employed as an ingredient in eye salves, as well as plasters. For all these last mentioned purposes, the salt of Tata or of Conus is most particularly in request. In cases where there is ecchymosis of the eyes, or a bruise from the effects of a blow, salt is applied with an equal quantity of myrrh or honey, or with hyssop in warm water, the eyes also being fomented with salsugo. For this last-mentioned purpose, the Spanish salt is preferred, and when wanted for treatment of cataract, it is ground upon small wet stones with milk. For bruises, it is particularly useful, wrapped in a linen pledget and renewed from time to time, being first dipped in boiling water. For the cure of running ulcers of the mouth, it is applied with lint. Gum boils are also rubbed with it, and broken to pieces and powdered fine, it removes granulations on the tongue. The teeth, it is said, will never become carious or corroded, if a person every morning puts some salt beneath his tongue, fasting, and leaves it there till it has melted. Salt effects the cure also of leprosy, boils, lichens, and itch scabs, for all which purposes it is applied with raisins, the stones first being removed, beef suet, oreganium, and leaven or else bread. In such cases, it is a salt from the byes that is mostly used. The same salt being considered preferable for the treatment of pirigo and being highly esteemed for afflictions of the uvula and tonsillary glands in combination with honey. Every kind of salt is useful for the cure of quinsy, but in addition to this, it is necessary to make external applications simultaneously with oil, vinegar, and tar. Mixed with wine, it is a gentle aperient to the bowels and taken in a similar manner, it acts as an expellent of all kinds of intestinal worms. Placed beneath the tongue, it enables convalescence to support the heat of the bath. Burnt more than once upon a plate of white heat, then enclosed in a bag, it alleviates pains in the sinews, about the shoulders and kidneys more particularly. Taken internally and similarly burnt at a white heat and applied in bags, it is a curative of colic, griping pains in the bowels, and sciatica. Beaten up in wine and honey, with meal, it is a remedy for gout, a malady for the especially behoof of which the observation should be borne in mind that there is nothing better for all parts of the body than sun and salt. Hence it is that we see the bodies of fishermen as hard as horn gout. However, it is the principal disease for the benefit of which this maxim should be remembered. Salt is useful for the removal of corns upon the feet and of chilblains. For the cure of burns, also, it is applied with oil, or else chewed. It acts as a check upon blisters, and in cases of erysipelas and serapygneous ulcers, it is applied topically with vinegar or with hyssop. For the cure of carcinoma, it is employed in combination with timinian grapes. And for phagedenic ulcers, it is used parched with barley meal, a linen pledget steeped in wine being laid upon it. In cases of jaundice, it is employed as a friction before the fire with oil and vinegar till the patient is made to perspire, for the purpose of preventing itching sensations attendant upon that disease. When persons are exhausted with fatigue, it is usual to rub them with salt and oil. Many have treated dropsy with salt, have used external applications of salt and oil for the burning heats of fever and have cured chronic coughs by laying salt upon the patient's tongue. Salt has been used, also, as an injection for sciatica, and has been applied to ulcers of fungus or putrid nature. To bites inflicted by the crocodile, salt is applied, the sores being tightly bandaged with linen cloths, first dipped in vinegar. It is taken internally with hydromel to neutralize the effects of opium and is applied topically with meal and honey to sprains and fleshy excrescences. In cases of toothache, it is used as a culatory with vinegar, and is useful applied externally with resin. For all purposes, however, froth of salt is found to be more agreeable and still more efficacious. Still, however, every kind of salt is good as an ingredient in the okapa. When warming properties are required, the same. Two. In the case of detersive applications, when required for plumping out and giving smooth surface to the skin. Employed topically, salt is curative of itch scab in sheep and cattle. For which disease it is given them to lick, it is injected also with the spittle into the eyes of beasts of burden. Thus much with reference to salt. Chapter 46. The Various Kinds of Nitrum the methods of preparing it, the remedies derived from it, two hundred and twenty-one observations thereon. And here we must no longer defer giving an account of nitrum, which, in its properties, does not greatly differ from salt, and deserves all the more to be attentively considered from the evident fact that medical men who have written upon it were ignorant of its nature, of all which authors, Theophrastus is the one that has given the greatest attention to the point. It is found in small quantities in Media, in certain valleys there, that are white with heat and drought. The name given to it being Halmarax. In Thracia too, near Philippi, it is found but in smaller quantities and deteriorated with earthy substances, being known there as agrion. As to that prepared from the burnt wood of the Quercus, it was never made to any very great extent, and the manufacture of it lies been long since totally abandoned. Nitrous waters are also found in numerous places, but not sufficiently impregnated to admit of condensation. The best and most abundant supply is found in Lite in Macedonia, where it is known as Calastricum. It is white and pure, and closely resembles salt. In the middle of certain nitrous lakes there, a spring of fresh water issues forth, In this lake, the nitrum forms for nine days, about the rising of the dog star, and then ceases for the same period, after which it again floats upon the surface, and then again ceases. Facts which abundantly prove that it is the particular nature of the soil which generates the nitrum, it being very evident that, when the formation is there interrupted, neither the heat of the sun nor the fall of the rain is productive of the slightest effect. It is also a truly marvelous fact that, though the spring of fresh water is always uninterruptedly flowing, the waters of the lake never increase or overflow. If it happens to rain on days during which the nitrum is forming, the result is that it is rendered additionally salt thereby. The prevalence of northeast winds, too, still more deteriorates its quality as they have a tendency to stir up mud at the bottom. Such is the formation of native nitrum. In Egypt, again, it is made artificially, and in much greater abundance, but inferior quality, being tawny and full of stones. It is prepared in pretty nearly the same manner as salt, except that in the salt pans, it is seawater that is introduced. Whereas in the beds it is the water of the river Mlus, a water which, upon the substance of the river, is impregnated with nitrum for 40 days together, and not, as in Macedonia, at intermittent periods only. On occasions when there has been a fall of rain, a smaller proportion of river water is employed. As soon, too, as any quantity of nitrogen is formed, it is immediately removed in order that it may not melt in the beds. This substance also contains a certain proportion of oil, which is very useful for the cure of scab in animals. Piled up in large heaps, it keeps for a considerable time. It is a marvelous fact that, in Lake Ascanius and in certain springs in the vicinity of Calsus, the water is fresh and potable on the surface and nitrous below. The lightest part of nitrum is always considered the best, and hence it is the froth of it is so much preferred. Still, however, when in an impure state, it is very useful for some purposes, coloring purple cloth, for instance, and indeed all kinds of dyeing. It is employed also very extensively in the manufacture of glass, as we shall more fully mention on the appropriate occasion. The only nitro works in Egypt were formerly those in the vicinity of Nacratus and Memphis, those near Memphis being inferior to the others, the piles of nitrum there being prepared as hard as stone, and many of the heaps having become changed into rocks. When in this state, vessels are made of it, and very frequently they melt with sulfur on a charcoal fire. When substances are wanted to keep, they employ this type of nitrum. In Egypt, there are also nitre beds, the produce of which is red, owing to the color of the earth in the same locality. Froth of nitrum, a substance held in very high esteem, could only be made, according to the ancients, when the dews had fallen, the pits being at the moment saturated with nitrum, but not having arrived at the point of yielding it. On the other hand, again, when the pits were in full activity, no froth was formed, it was said, even though the dews should fall. Others, again, have attributed the formation of the last substance to the fermentation of the heaps of nitrum. In a succeeding age, the medical men, speaking of it under the name of Ephronitrum, have stated it was collected in Asia, where it was found to be oozing from the soft sides of certain mines, the name given to which was Coliseus, and that it was dried in the sun. The very best is thought to be that which comes from Lydia, the test of its genuineness being its extreme lightness, its friability, and its color, which should be almost full purple. The last is imported in tablets, while that of Egypt comes enclosed in vessels pitched within to prevent its melting, the vessels being previously prepared by being thoroughly dried in the sun. To be good, nitrum should be very fine and extremely spongy and porous. In Egypt, it is sophisticated with lime and adulteration easily detected by tasting it, for when pure, it liquefies immediately while that which has been adulterated remains undissolved sufficiently long to leave a pungent taste in the mouth. It is burnt in a closed earthen vessel, as otherwise it would be decrepitate. Except in this last case, however, the action of fire does not cause it to decrepitate. This substance neither produces nor nourishes anything, while in the salt pans, on the other hand, we see plants growing, and the sea we know, produces immense number of animated beings, though as to plants, seaweed only. It is evident, too, that the acridity of nitrum must be greater than that of salt, not only from the fact last mentioned, but from the circumstance also that at the nitrobeds the shoes wear out with the greatest rapidity, localities which are otherwise very healthy and remarkably beneficial to the eyesight. At the nitroworks, ophthalmalia is a thing unknown. Persons, too, that come there with ulcers upon them experience a rapid cure, though ulcerations formed upon the spot are slow in healing. Used as a friction with oil, nitrum is a sudorific and acts emolliently upon the body. That of cholastra is used as a substitute for salt in making bread, and the Egyptian nitrum is eaten with radishes, it having the effect of making them more tender, though as to other edibles, it turns them white and spoils them. To vegetables, it imparts an additional greenness. Viewed medicinally, nitrum is calorific, attenuant, mordant, astringent, desiccative, and ulcerating. It is good, too, in cases where certain humors require to be drawn out or dispersed, or where gentle mordants or attenuants are required, as in the case of pustules or pimples, for example. Some persons ignite it for this purpose, and, after quenching it in astringent wine, bruise it and use it without oil at the bath. Applied with dried iris, powdered, and green olive oil, it checks the immoderate perspiration. Apply topically with a fig or boiled down to one half in raisin wine. It removes marks upon the eyes and granulations of the eyelids. It is used also for the removal of argema. Boiled in a pomegranate rind with raisin wine, used as an ointment in combination with honey, it improves the eyesight. It is very useful also for toothache taken as a collatory with wine and pepper, or boiled with a leek. Burnt and employed as a dentifrice, it restores the teeth to their original color that have turned black, and an application of it with samian earth and oil kills nits and other vermins of the head. Dissolved in wine, it is used as an injection for separations of the ears, and, applied with vinegar, it consumes filth that has accumulated there. Introduced dry into the ears, it disperses singings and tinglings into those organs. Applied topically in the sun with an equal quantity of simolean chalk dissolved in vinegar, it removes white morphe, and a mixture of it with resin or with white raisins the stones being beaten up, as well is an excellent cure for boils. It is useful also for inflammations of the testes, and in combination with axle grease, for pituitous eruptions on all parts of the body. For the cure of bites inflicted by dogs, it is used with resin, the application being made at first with vinegar. With lime and vinegar, it is used as a liniment for stings inflicted by serpents as also for ulcerations, whether phagedenic, putrid, sepignous. In cases too of dropsy, it is employed internally and externally beaten with figs. Taken internally as a decoction, In doses of one drachma, with rue, dill, or cumin. It effectually removes griping pains in the bowels, and external application of it, with oil and vinegar, is highly refreshing to persons exhausted with fatigue. It is equally beneficial for shudderings and cold shiverings, the feet and hands of the patient being well rubbed with it, mixed with oil. It allays the itching sensations attendant upon jaundice, more particularly when it is ministered to the patient while perspiring with vinegar. Taken internally in Oxycrate, it is an antidote for the poison of fungi, and taken with water, it acts beneficially as an emetic in cases where berupristis has been swallowed. To persons who have taken bull's blood, nitrum is administered in combination with laser, Mixed with honey and cow's milk, it is a curative of ulcers upon the face. For the cure of burns, it is applied pounded, being first parched until it turns black. For pains in the bowels and kidneys, and for rigidities of the limbs and pains in the sinews, it is used in the form of an injection. For the cure of paralysis of the tongue, it is applied to that organ with bread, and to asthmatic patients, it is administered with tisan Flour of nitron, used in combination with equal proportions of galbanum and turpentine, respectively, is a curative of chronic coughs, the mixture being taken in pieces the size of a bean. Nitrum itself, boiled and melted with tar, is given to patients to swallow for quinsy. Flour of nitrum mixed with oil of cypress and applied in the sun, is a soothing liniment for pains and joints. Taken internally with wine, It is curative of jaundice and acts as carminative also, and it arrests bleeding at the nose, the vapor of it in boiling water being inhaled by the patient. Mixed with alum, it removes porriga, and, used daily with water, as a fomentation, it removes offensive odors of the armpits. Used in combination with wax, it heals ulcers produced by pituitous secretions and, similarly employed, is very useful for afflictions of the sinews. For the cure of the celiac flux, it is used in the form of an injection. Many authorities recommend the use of it with oil as a friction when cold shiverings are just coming on, as also for the removal of leprous spots and freckles. It is a good plan, also, to use a sitting bath made with an infusion of nitrum for the cure of gout, atrophy, opethotony, and tetanus. Both salt and nitre, boiled with sulfur, become petrified. Chapter 47 Sponges and the Remedies Derived from Them 92 Observations Thereon We have already... When speaking of the marine productions, describe the various kinds of sponge. Some authorities make the following distinctions. They regard as males those sponges which are pierced with more diminutive holes, are more compact in form, and more ready to imbibe, and are, stained, to satisfy luxurious tastes, in various colors, sometimes purple even. Those, on the other hand, which have holes larger and running into one another, they consider to be females. Among the male sponges, there is a kind, harder than the others, the name given to which is tragi, and the holes of which are extremely small and numerous. Sponges are made white artificially, the softest being chosen for this purpose, and after they have been steeped the whole summer through with the foam of the sea, they are then exposed to the action of the moon and hoar frosts, being turned upside down, in other words, with that part upwards, which they formerly adhered to the rocks, the object being that they may become white throughout. That sponges are animated beings, we have already stated, and not only this, but they have a coat of blood even, adhering to them. Some say that they regulate their movements by sense of hearing, and that at the slightest noise, they contract themselves and emit an abundant moisture. When such is the case, it is said it is impossible to tear them away from the rocks, and consequently they must be cut an operation during which they emit a sinuous secretion. Those sponges, too, are preferred to all others, which are grown upon spots with a northeast aspect, the physicians assuring us that these retain the breadth of life the longest of all, a circumstance which renders them additionally useful to the human body, from the union which there is thereby effected of their vital principle with our own. It is for this reason, too, that they are preferred, as fresh as possible, And in a moist state rather than dry. They are not so useful, however, if applied with hot water, and still less so if they are oiled or applied to the body when just anointed. The compact sponges, it is thought, have less adhesive power than the others. The softest kind of sponge are those employed for tents. Applied with honeyed wine, sponges reduce swellings of the eyes and are extremely useful for the removal of rheum from those organs the very finest and softest being a necessity selected for the purpose. Sponges are applied also with Oxycrate to deflections of the eyes and with warm vinegar for headache. In addition to these properties, fresh sponges are resolvent, emollient, and soothing, but when old, they lose their healing properties for wounds. They are employed also in medicine for cleansing sores and for either fermenting or covering the parts fermented till some other application is made applied topically they have a healing effect upon running ulcers and upon sores of the bodies of aged persons fractures too and wounds are most effectively fomented with sponge and when surgical operations are performed it instantly absorbs the blood so as to allow the incision to be seen sponges are applied also as a bandage to inflamed wounds, sometimes dry and in some cases moistened with vinegar, wine, or cold water. Soaked in rainwater and applied to the incision, they prevent cuts recently inflicted from swelling. They are used as an application for such parts of the body, though apparently uninjured, as are threatened with occult humors, which require to be dispersed and also for reducing the tumors known to us as apostomies the parts being first fermented with a decoction of honey sponges are employed also for affections of the joints and steeped in vinegar and salt or an oxycrate in cases however where the attack is intended with fever water alone is used with the sponge soaked in salt and water sponges are applied to callosities and with vinegar they are used for stings inflicted by scorpions. In the treatment of wounds, sponges are sometimes used as a substitute for greasy wool, either with wine and oil or with salt and water. The only difference being that wool acts emolliently upon the sores, whereas a sponge has an astringent action and absorbs the vitiated humors. To dropsical patients, Bandages of sponge are applied either dry or steeped in warm water or OxyCrate, according as there is a necessity for soothing the skin or for covering it up and drying it. Sponges are applied also in all those diseases where warmth is required, being first soaked in boiling water and then squeezed out between a couple of boards. Employed in this manner, too, they are very useful for affections of the stomach and for the excessive heats attendant upon fever. Steeped in Oxycrate, they are good for diseases of the spleen, and in vinegar, for erysipelas, nothing in fact being equally efficacious. Sponge, when thus used, should always be applied as to amply cover the adjacent parts that are not affected. Employed with vinegar or cold water, sponge arrests hemorrhage. Soaked in warm salt and water, and frequently renewed, it removes the lividity which results from a recent blow. Used with oxycrate, it disperses pains and swellings to the testes. To bites inflicted by dogs, it is a good plan to apply sponge from time to time, cut fine and moistened with vinegar, cold water, or honey. Ashes of African sponge with juice of cut leek and a mixture of salt and cold water are good, taken internally, for patients suffering from discharges of blood applied topically to the forehead with oil or vinegar they are a curative of tertian fevers the sponge of africa more particularly soaked in oxycrate disperses tumors ashes of any kind of sponge burnt with pitch arrest the discharge of blood from wounds though some recommend for this purpose the sponge with large pores only burnt with pitch for affections of the eyes Sponges burnt in vessels of unbaked earthenware, the ashes being found highly efficacious for granulations of the eyelids, fleshy excrescences, and all diseases of those parts which require detergents, astringents, or expletives. For all these purposes, however, it is the best plan first to rinse the ashes. When the body is in a diseased state, sponge acts as a substitute for body scrapers, linen towels, and it protects the head most efficiently against the action of the sun. Medical men, in their ignorance, comprehend all sponges under two names, African sponge, the substance of which is tougher and firmer, and Iphodian sponge, which is softer and better adapted to fomentations. At the present day, however, the softest sponges of all are those found above the walls of the city of Entephalus? Trogus informs us that the softest tent sponges are found out at sea, off the coast of Lycia, upon spots which the spun has been previously removed. We learn, too, from Polyvius that these fine sponges suspended over a patient's bed will ensure him additional repose at night. We will now turn to remedies derived from marine and aquatic animals. Summary Remedies, Narratives, and Observations, nine hundred and twenty four. Roman authors quoted M. Yarrow, Cassius of Parma, Cicero, Musaenus, callius, Celsus, Trogus, Ovid, Polybius, Cernatius. Foreign authors quoted Callimachus, Tisias, Eudicus, Theophrastus, Eudacus, Theopompus, Polycritus. Juba, Lycus, Appian, Epigenes, Pelops, Apelles, Democritus, Thracyllus, Nicander, Meander, the comic writer, Athens, Celestius, Dionysius, Andreas, Nituratus, Hippocrates, Anaxilais. End of section four recorded by Keith G. Saturn, Rochester, New York, United States. End of the Natural History, Volume seven, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by john Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley.